0: of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. Hello, and welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Malachi from the fut- your future favorite show, Good Doodliness. How are you today, Malachi?
1: feeling pretty good. How about yourself?
0: I'm pretty good. Um, I am really excited to talk to you today because, you know, your your, your future show is going to be about, you know, just the, the goodness in the world, right? And you said, you know, you've got a lot of good, no, I don't know if good's right the word, the right word, <laughs> but a lot of thoughts on, on happiness and stuff like that. So I'm going to start with one of my favorite questions and that is to you when you hear, hear the word happy, what does that mean? And I'm not asking like it means pizza and beer. I mean like what does the word mean to you?
1: Yeah. I mean so it's it's a really good question because I think that there's I think that there's two there's two iterations of that, right? We have we have sort of a happiness that's a very personal happiness mm-hmm. and then there's also a happiness that's sort of reflective of the society around us. And I think that they're they are interconnected issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but happiness to me just basically means like I think that I think it should be like a basal state. Like you should you should have an underlying state of being like not in turmoil, right? Not Mm -hmm. in peril, not in distress. And I think that happiness should follow from that.
0: So, like something similar to uh, well-being, then.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. If you know, uh, well-being, physical well-being, mental well-being, economic well-being. There's a lot of things that go into it, which is why. Your your show really attracted me because it's like, like, what does happiness mean to you? It's like, well, that's a really good question. <laughs> How do we answer that?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like a lot of people throw the word around without, like, not only without knowing what other people are thinking when they hear it, but without even really knowing what they're thinking when they hear it. And uh, And to me, that's always super interesting, the way that we can have an entire conversation and both people walk away thinking that the conversation was saying something completely different from one another. Um, So, yeah, like, I I tend to agree, like, when I use the word happiness, I tend to mean something more similar to well-being than, like, you know, temporary states of joy and things like that, although I think that falls into it as well. So um, my next question, and maybe this is a little personal, but do you consider yourself to be a happy person?
1: I generally do, yeah. Um, I consider myself to be... At least moving towards happiness most mm. of the time, and I think that that changes. Um, yeah, but you you can't be. I mean, there's like the you can't you can't experience the peaks without the valleys, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm under no impression that everyone needs to be walking around with a smile on their face constantly. But um, you know, when you go to bed at night, you should probably think that you had a good day, and you should probably think that the next day is going to be a good day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally that that totally resonates with me as well. Um, and 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 like it it kind of ties into this really interesting thing about gratitude that a lot of people talk about gratitude and I'm, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are are on gratitude and then I'll share my thoughts and, and get your thoughts on those. If that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Gratitude. That's a good one. Um, I, I did a, I've done a meditation that sort of talks about gratitude and it's, um, basically trying to express some sort of joy for the things that you have Mm-hmm. and it's trying to do it consciously. Like mm-hmm. we th- we know what it feels like to be happy and we know what it feels like to have gratitude. Mm-hmm. And because you already know what those feel like, you should be able to invoke them at times even when you're not necessarily receiving like the stimulus that invokes it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good practice to get into. And I would suggest it to a lot of people is to to try to bring a little bit of that joy, a little bit of the gratitude into your life every day
0: hmm. So like recalling times that made you feel those naturally or because like, yeah. OK, can you elaborate a little bit more on that?
1: No, that's I mean, that's a good way to put it. You 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 know what it feels like to to be gracious towards someone. You know what it feels like to be thankful. And if you can try to bring that into your daily life, even if it's something that you did, <laughs> you know, um, if you can try to bring that into your daily life. And I think it, it helps leads towards a happier center.
0: That's a, that's a really interesting point um, that I've never really heard talked about before is the idea of self-gratitude. Um, and yeah, so like I have this very complicated relationship with the idea of gratitude. And I think that a lot of people do because so often um, in at least our generation's youth or whatever you want to call it, adolescence or whatever, um, a lot of the people who were authority figures would say, you should be grateful, or you're not grateful enough, or things around that idea. And I don't know if you personally have experienced it, but I know that me and many of my similarly aged peers have. And so when I got older and people were talking about gratitude, I had this chip on my shoulder, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie; I still, kind of do, um, where it is associated sort of with a, a feeling of shame for me. Like I was never grateful enough, and so um, as I've kind of explored and and continued my journey, though, I've realized that there is so much value in gratitude. Um, and I think that I think that you're right when you say recalling times that you felt grateful is is a really good strategy as opposed to trying to. Fabricate a sense of gratitude, like lots of us were taught when we were younger. Um, do you have, Do you have any thoughts on on that I mean, that idea?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, when you said like, if someone were to tell me you should be grateful, that feels that feels messy. It, it feels <laughs> like someone is trying to tell me what to feel, and it's like if if the conditions weren't right to elicit that response, why are you telling me that they should have been? Mm-hmm. You know, that's. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I just it feels like someone's trying to tell you how to feel, which is like, that doesn't feel right. It, it feels like um, I mean, it, it feels like some people might not have the gratitude. But if, if you don't have gratitude towards towards an action or towards like a, a position or you know, something that you've been put in, maybe there's a really good reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe, maybe someone did something for you and you didn't ask for it, or maybe someone bought you the ugliest sweater in the world and you're <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Yeah, no gratitude. Like, um, yeah, it just feels messy to tell someone that they should be feeling a certain thing.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I, I just think it's an interesting thing because people doing that, and I find that it happens a lot less today. You know, like that's not something that I hear even from adults to children as much today as I used to hear in my youth. And it's it's an interesting thing to me because, you know, where do you go from there? You know, like what are what are ways to to build something that you already have associations with, you know, and, and so like I said, I'm I'm always curious what people's thoughts are on that and people who are of similar age, if they had similar experiences. Um, like an example in my in my own life that maybe will help exemplify what I mean is, you know, like my parents obviously worked really hard to to take care of me and to you know, provide for me and stuff like that. And then when there would be conflict, that was often said is well, you should just be grateful. And it's like, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, like maybe there is something to be grateful for. But instead of highlighting, you know, the ways to feel gratitude, it was it was often just said that we should. And I mean, I think should is a dangerous word in in the best of circumstances.
1: And then they also, I don't think that a lot of parents realize this, but they have an obligation after. After that, you should to tell you why you should. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a good reason as to why you should, maybe you should. And mm-hmm. that's it's I mean, I'm not a parent. I plan on being a parent at some point in my life, but like the con- like I'm never gonna. This is you know knock on whatever. It's like I, I don't want to have to tell my child how to feel. I want to show mm-hmm. them why they should feel it. And if they don't, then that's that's something you can work on. But it's not just like you can't lay down laws of how someone feels. It, that's that feels weird.
0: I tend, I tend to totally agree, and I think that it's, it's such an interesting thing, um, the way, the way that like our feelings work, you know, the way that happiness works, and, and, like you said, like I mean, there are practices that can allow you to feel gratitude in a natural way, and and I mean, an approach that worked for me early on before I sort of started to get over my. Um, whatever, angst <laughs> around, uh, around the term gratitude was just noticing. And like, I use the word appreciation a lot and, and for whatever reason, appreciation was really, really helpful for me, even though it's the same concept. Um, but I, I found that it was really helpful. Um, so like, can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Like, were you always interested in happiness and, and spreading good, vibes and good cheer i was gonna say but that sounds so cheesy good cheer um <laughs> or or was that something that kind of slowly came like it often happens for people
1: no i think i was like most young american men and i thought that happiness like was in the general location of a woman's breast <laughs> and <laughs> um i think that that's like a lot of a lot of feeling for young men and it's a very <laughs> it's an un unengaged it's an un, uh Uninitiated sort of a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it took I was in the military for a long time. Oh wow and it, it took it took being at a very, very low point um, through my through my complications of my of my mental health with the military. Mm-hmm. It took being at a very low point to realize that I need to try to go towards a high point. and then you know you look you look in your society to try to find out where where happiness is. And it's just like this, like conversation is—it's—it's it's, it's incredibly hard to nail down. But for some reason, everyone really wants it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took—it uh, took. I started. I started down a path of um, of trying to get uh, 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 therapy for my for my my issues mm-hmm. from the military, and that brought me over to meditation. And meditation has actually been pretty great to try to map out. Uh, mindfulness meditations. I
0: was just going to ask. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, it helps you map out how you feel, and when you're mapping out how you feel, you're better able to deal with it. I agree. Um, yeah, and then that's just led to this larger conversation of, you know, like, does a beer make you happy? Yes. Right. <laughs> does five beers make you happy? Probably not. Should you drink alone? <laughs> Probably not. Right. Like, like, what is, what is the situations that we put ourselves in that actually lead towards some sort of joy? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do we get there? And then is, is that, you know, there's, there's more questions in there. It's, it has been a whole process and I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed the journey, which is also making me happy.
0: <laughs> and, and I think that you've, you've touched on some really, really cool things. Um, for sure, like finding the joy in the journey along the way is huge. And, and the other thing, you know, when you say, does a beer make you happy? Yes. Does five? Probably not. Is. I think that that's surprisingly true across a lot of things is that we, as humans, you know, humans get a human, um, we tend to uh, grab onto something where we, we get those endorphins, we get those good chemicals, whatever it is, and we go, oh, this is the answer. And, and, and then we overindulge in whatever it is, whether it's sex or alcohol or video games or even, you know, um, conversation instead of focusing and, and we, we, lose, we lose track of the balance. You know, like almost anything in this world, sees diminishing returns when, when you're excessive about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really interesting point that is easy to miss. Is that like as much work as it is? There's a lot that goes into it, not just one thing, or there's there's not one answer.
1: Yeah, I was at a party a while ago, and uh, uh, I was, you know, we were indulging pretty heavily, and. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, man, everything in moderation. And then from the background, one of my one of my friends chimes in and he goes, including moderation. (laughs) Like, yeah, sometimes you got to be unmoderated. Like, it's fine.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really that's what makes it so complicated, Malachi. It's (laughs) it's the it's the the fact that it's it's. You know, like you want to balance presentness, which I don't think that's the right way to say that presence. I guess, um, like, like they talk about in mindfulness meditation, you want to balance that with awareness. You know, instead of like living in the moment is great, but if you're living so much in the moment that you become unaware and you become hyper focused on a regular basis, that's not really helpful. You know, it's sort of like yeah. the whole discipline versus self compassion thing. You know,
1: it's hard yeah. to balance. You also have to try to take away some of this um unnatural negative stimulus that we've ex- that we've been conditioned into mm-hmm. and I discovered this through another meditation course that um that we we're taught jealousy in our in our society and um we're taught we're taught to have negative emotions when they ought not to be so okay. one of the examples was um you can do a meditative course, and this one I did through Sam Harris's app, which I really okay. like. It's called Waking Up. Um, Didn't know that Sam Harris had
0: an app. That's cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's good. It's very uh, scientifically oriented. Um, but this this practice was uh, wishing well for people. It's like just this just this practice of wishing people happiness. Um, wish you know, and uh, like. Uh, being happy when your friends have something good happen to them even when you even when it's not your friends even when just like colleagues get a get a raise or they get some you know um, just we're we're trained to not be happy for other people's joy but you can retrain yourself to to have this great sense of appreciation for their success and that'll lead to your own feelings of well-being
0: that's that's really cool so it's called waking up mhm
1: yeah okay. I, I suggested and they actually do uh if, if you're tied on money, they actually do. You can email them and they'll give you a subscription for free for a certain amount of time so you can try it out.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm actually really excited. Um, oh, I said actually. I hate when people use actually as if it's like that makes the thing surprising. Um,
1: anyways. It's a habit to break.
0: But I, I, really, I really like that because I also think that celebrating people's successes really brings you, like, like even. Even if you were to take away the mental health factor of it, which I don't think that we should, but even if you were to take away like the well-being factor of it, from a, a point of view of the values of our society, you know, with, um, you know, quote unquote success and financial, like, you know, the, the you, everybody knows. I don't know why I'm trying to explain what the values of our, our
1: society are. <laughs> but well, even no, it, f- makes, it makes sense because... I mean, so even financial success isn't necessarily on the tippy top of people's lists. I mean, there's there are real conversations to be had about the, the the places where we should get our sources of happiness from and what's been actually conditioned into us.
0: Absolutely. I mean and and that's kind of what I'm saying though, is that like even if you're still in that space where you're not examining, you know, um, what we've been conditioned and taught to value, even in that space celebrating other people's successes is helpful and strategic, you know, um, like people people are more likely to want to help people who are kind and loving. So really, no matter how you frame it, which is kind of my point, because I really think that there's a lot more value in the well-being side of it and the happiness side of it. But no matter how you frame it, it's valuable to, you know, eschew jealousy and and spite and bitterness and um, what's the other what's the yeah uh revenge that's the word I was like you know when you get back at some um and and I think that there's there's value in that really no matter how you cut it and there's so much like like there's so much noise you know like you were talking about cutting out some of that stuff is super valuable so you know what are some techniques that you might recommend for people to begin to clear some of the hectic noise that's really damaging us
1: Uh, I mean, that's, that's a really hard one. It's, I mean, I think identifying what happiness is not might help you identify a possible way towards happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, like I don't, sorry, my dog who is a source of happiness is currently (laughs) making a ruckus. Um, it's, um, I mean, like, so I walked away from a from the career from, mm-hmm. uh, almost a decade in the military, um, with a, a good path, but I realized that I wasn't happy. So mm-hmm. while being broke doesn't make you happy, um, it does there's a, it doesn't really matter how much you get paid. If you're not in a good, happy, like a career that makes you happy, then you're going to have to leave the career. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's clear that there's a point where the, where the income, you know, uh, S curve, right, mm-hmm. where that slaps into the happiness S curve, and like they, they start just going down. Both do. Um, there's a part where they don't line up. There's there there are certain like uh, like I mean I, I like being fit. I try to exercise, right. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be I don't need to be a, some CrossFit craziness, right. I don't need to be the biggest man there is, mm-hmm. but I like being fit. So getting regular exercise makes me happy, and being out of shape makes me not happy. Um, drinking too much makes me not happy. So if you can find the things, you can identify the places where you're pretty sure that's not where happiness lies. You can start to cut those out, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll lead you towards, uh, you know, some sort of some sort of resting basal happiness.
0: Okay. So so I have I have a question, and I have an analogy that I remember being used once, and and I want to ask if that's what it is. But my first question is. Are you recommending people look at what makes them unhappy or what doesn't make them happy? Because there's definitely a neutral space in between.
1: Yeah, that's that's another really good point. I would say look at the stuff that makes you unhappy and okay. try to cut it out because, <laughs> I mean, like no one likes no one likes commuting to their job, but there are certain things that you yeah. just can't. Yeah, but yeah, it, that it,
0: doesn't necessarily make you unhappy. It just doesn't yeah. make you happy.
1: But if, for say, you absolutely hate commuting to your job, and that's like a that's like a maybe not absolutely hate. Excuse me. Let's say that you are neutral on your job commute. Perhaps Mm -hmm. you can play either a really great podcast, Mm -hmm. or you can, (laughs) or you can, you know, dance in your car to your favorite music or something. You can find ways to alleviate the the neutral ground while you're searching for the process to cancel out the negativity.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, And so, like, yeah, like to me, it reminds me of this analogy. Um, I don't remember. I don't, okay, it, it happened when I was in rehab a billion years ago, so, like, I don't remember the details, but basically, the analogy was, like, I don't know if someone told it to me or if I, like, it was in a conversation, but... um it was like, say that your life is like, you're you're inside a telephone booth and your life, like for the, for the, for the young people, a telephone booth is where we used to have to make phone calls. Um, and you're inside a telephone booth and inside that telephone booth, you have to keep everything that's in your life, every idea, every concept, every, you know, um, obligation and, and everything like that. And so if you want to start bringing good things into your life, you really have to boot out the things that aren't productive or aren't happy, you know. And and I mean, I learned this this in rehab, or or maybe I said it. I don't know. I don't remember. But uh, I I this this came into my life in rehab, and you know the the conversation was really about removing the habits um, around drug addiction and around um, some really really difficult parts of my life. In order to bring in good habits, but I think that it applies to what you're saying now: is that there's not really room for happiness if you're filling your life with unhappiness.
1: Would you agree? I mean, yeah, you only have so much time in the day, right? mm-hmm. and people like to feel that it's done in a productive way. And um, I mean, so first off, congratulations on your on your successful rehab.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, I was unaware of that. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, cutting out, cutting out that sort of noise um, can help move towards, I, I just think it, it's not about experiencing bliss all the time, mm-hmm. although that is nice. Right? Yeah. That is nice. <laughs> um, for me, and I think for a lot of people, it is more about being able to get to a position where when you go to bed at night, um, you are, my dog sneezed, uh, when you go to bed at night, sorry. Um, Bless him. <laughs> he's, he's such a good boy. Uh, when you go to bed at night, you like to feel like you had a good day, and it's it's not hard to identify generally what a good day is like. It's just for some reason it's really hard to go against a lot of our impulses in order to achieve that good day.
0: Mm-hmm. And and acknowledging it can be surprisingly difficult as well. Is you know like something that I have struggled with on and off. More on than off, um, throughout the years is, is identifying with someone who's had a hard life, like as someone who's had a hard life. And so if I have good days, then my brain is like, well, that's counter to who you are, though. Like, everything is difficult for you and you overcome. And so, you know, like, it's almost like, and like, I mean, I don't say any of that stuff out loud. It's all this narrative that plays inside my head and it's really embarrassing to say out loud. But, um, you know, so when when I go to sleep, you know, or I think about it and I really recognize that I do have a good life, it can be, it can be weird because my brain is like, Wait a second. That's not who you are. who like, who is this woman? And and it's it's super strange. And I imagine I'm not the only one that struggles with that kind of thing. Um, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of things like I'm coming sort of the, to the conclusion that if I struggle with it, there's probably other people who struggle with it.
1: Yeah, and uh, I I mean, tell me if you agree. I think it's I think it's fair to say that we are shouldered with a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like going back to your, your should be appreciative example, it's like it, it, it's sort of a um, someone else trying to hack your mental state to try to say that you, you know, y- how dare you not be appreciative? How dare you not be happy? Look at the things that you have. Um, so it's a weird place to be when happiness is only something that you can really define for yourself. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, other people are trying to tell you exactly how to achieve it and exactly what it should look like and, and where you should draw your sources of happiness from.
0: Hmm, and and I mean, and you made such a good point too. Actually, a couple times, and I haven't touched on it because you keep making really good points. Um, and uh, you made a really good point about you know happiness as an overall basal state does not, and I would even venture to say, like, cannot be the idea of a constant state of bliss. You know, at best, you know, if you were to choose that life, you could. Move and focus into a constant state of neutrality, but a constant state of bliss isn't really sustainable because it it's sort of it's sort of based on that dichotomy, you know, like you experience joy and happiness as like as an opposite, you know. Without its opposite, it's not really it becomes neutral.
1: Yeah, and I actually think that there's a lesson to be learned from a few other cultures. Um, I think English speakers are pretty terrible at this we're we're really bad at like expressing a lot of our, our feelings and emotions like we have one word for love like the ancient Greeks had like eight mm-hmm. right? um, so there's two concepts that I think are really important to mention briefly so that your listeners can go and check them out um, one of them is never buy your dog a squeaky ball sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> no uh, one of them is this Japanese concept called ikigai have you okay. heard of that
0: I have well maybe but not under I don't remember I don't speak Japanese so
1: yeah um, so it's basically like you, you can find uh, uh, good sources on it. Um, the the concept is that if you if you have these things that make you happy, and then those things like like if you're really good at carpentry, and then you have like a, a, a nice community around carpentry, and you have good friends who are into carpentry, and then also there's a market for your product. Like, if all of these things align, then you're mm-hmm. probably going to be in a pretty good state of happiness. Yeah. And the, the Ikigai concept has a lot to do with, like, what you do and your responsibilities and all that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's nice because they sort of laid out, like, this multiple Venn diagram of, like, how to get there. Um, so that's a good concept to check out for people.
0: For sure. Um, ikigai.
1: Ikigai, yeah. Okay. I'm, I think I'm getting that right. Maybe just look up <laughs> Japanese happiness and you'll find it.
0: Okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah,
1: Google's, yeah. I'm not the best speller either, so Google's great. Um, the other one is a concept called eudaimonia that comes from ancient Greece. Are you familiar with that?
0: Again, you know, I don't remember words in other languages
1: as well. That's super fair. Um, so eudaimonia <laughs> is this concept of um, our obligations, like in different circles, like you have an obligation to your friends, you have an obligation to your society, um, you have an obligation to your dog, right? Regular exercise—that's important. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so this this idea is that when you when you fulfill these obligations to the best of your ability, and then when you have these these close circles of of, uh, of friends and compatriots and all that, mm-hmm. then you are going to experience the sense of eudaimonia, which is like a Like a like a good like a high good standard way of being.
0: Okay, yeah. You're gonna be in that. Um,
1: And it's just funny because we say words like happy. You know, like oh, yeah, I'm happy. (laughs) I'm not sad, so I must be happy, right? And then these other cultures (laughs) have like these great lexicons of emotional feeling, and it's it's way better.
0: Yeah, that that is that is helpful and specific. It's it's interesting because I've been um, trying to figure out how best to relay what this show is about. Because when I say it's about happiness, I feel like people really misunderstand the goal. Um, So I've been focusing a lot more on the word well-being or the term well-being because I feel like it's more, um, more like what I'm trying to talk about. But at the same time, it's still insufficient um, because it has a very specific implication as well that isn't quite the same as happiness. And like it's not like like I think that um those two concepts you're talking about are part of there's I think I want to say eight or ten words um or ideas that people apply to happiness. Um and there's like, you know, like there's a sense of awe, there's a sense of accomplishment, you know, um focus, you know, like on working and stuff like that. And and even then, like you said, English is really insufficient in describing those things. Um, it's kind of like the word snow. Like, you know, um, the Inuit people have a whole bunch of words for snow. I don't know if that's well known in the States, but everybody in Canada knows that. Um, and, uh, and you know, we just say snow. But, like, if you've spent any time in northern Canada, you know that that there's a lot of different kinds of snow, um, And it's the same kind of thing is, you know, and then English chooses to have, oh, you know what? I could talk about language for hours. That's not what this is about. Uh. It,
1: it can be. It's, a, <laughs> it's No, it's, I mean, like, it's super, it's a super salient point that like our clumsiness contributes to our ways of thinking. If, mm-hmm. if you have one word for happy and you have one word for, um you know one word for like sexual happiness that it's like happens to be roughly the same word for being happy when you greet a great friend unless you're getting a boner every time you hug your buddy you might have some confusion there yeah it's like (laughs) this is a real problem and it's something that um you know being involved in uh in a lot of uh men's issues circles um and it's partially what my podcast is about is is um you know the the gender issues um we have we have a major redaction in our ability to discuss how we're feeling with the people around us who ought to be the people who are most best equipped to deal with those emotions with us. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell your friend exactly how you're feeling, they can't even begin to help you address it. So, I mean, having a conversation, I might, I might, might not be the, the best guess for it, but having a conversation about who to talk, about what sort of language we can use and what sort of emotive words we can use that's an important like step towards the progress of happiness.
0: Well, I agree fully, and and I think it kind of speaks to something that we were talking about a little bit earlier when I was talking about my issues with the word gratitude. Is you know when we choose only one word to mean a whole bunch of different things, um, as as a, as a society, you know when we choose only one word to mean a whole bunch of different things, what happens when that word gets a stigma? You know when it gets charged, and. Then, you know, like, like, you know, um, like I said, for me, it was gratitude, but I can think of dozens of words that have gotten charged over the years in different ways. And then, and then any conversation around concepts that are even similar to it become charged, become difficult to talk about, you know, when you're talking about men's issues, that's something that I Really, am passionate about when um, when I talk in normal conversation. Of course, I'm a woman, so <laughs> so me I'm not the best advocate necessarily for it. But when 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 you talk about the way that men are taught to deal with emotion, it makes me feel a lot of things that men aren't allowed to feel, you know, or <laughs> allowed to talk about feeling. And and I I think the biggest thing is frustration. You know, it hurts everybody when when we bar conversations about feelings like that. And I don't know if that's the issue specifically you're talking about, but it's something that makes me crazy.
1: No, and that's, it was a big uh, awareness that I had after I left the military was that there was this, there was this surprising weight off my shoulders when it comes to my ability to describe how I feel and understand that it's okay to not feel, like you don't have to feel great all the time if you have friends, which hopefully everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 not their job to be your fair weather friend, right? They don't have to be there only when you're feeling great. And then when you're not feeling great, they just like, they duck out. Mm-hmm. Um, so even even the ability and like, just, I guess it was, I got like this societal okay, right? I got, a, mm-hmm. I got permission. I didn't have permission before when I was in the military. And I'm not saying this is everyone's experience, but it was mine. I didn't have permission to feel the ways that I felt because they were stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of that and and I, you know, I met my my wonderful partner, I have I've been to Burning Man, which has been an uplifting experience. Nice. I have I have great friends that are all fairly in touch with their feelings. So when I'm not feeling okay, I can talk about it with people who want to help me mm-hmm. and don't shun the emotions that I'm feeling, which is which is like your support that network is is massive. It needs to be, needs to be there.
0: That's really a beautiful thing. And I think that like what you're talking about, whether it's in the military or in family or in church circles, or like, there's just an incredible number of places that that stigma is loud and big and, and it's, it's really, um, I don't know what the right word is. I want to say handicapping. You know, like how do you move forward with your life when, when the only emotions that you're allowed to feel are angry, horny, and happy, you know, and and everything else is is off the table. If you talk about that, then you're not enough of a man. Like, what? Oh, I could get really passionate, and I'm gonna try not to. But
1: yeah, uh, I feel you. Hungry's in there too. We're allowed to be hungry. Oh,
0: that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I think that what you're speaking on and and stepping into, like, I imagine, okay. I imagine that was very scary for you at first, you know, starting a new friend group and, and basically starting your life over. What, like, what tools did you use to make yourself try?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, at first I used inappropriate tools, such as alcohol. I also uh, I also went through a divorce at the same time. Like, all okay. this was happening. So, um, alcohol was one of them. I think... Um, I tried to find, I tried to find purpose in other people. Like I tried to get very sexually active and looking back on the nature of those relationships, I was actually, I'm pretty ashamed mm-hmm. about some of the ways that you know I treated them. Um, so you try to find, you you reflexively try to go back to all of the things that you know can provide momentary joy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and when you realize that, that it's only, I mean, I, I'm just glad I realized it is, Early in my process, as I did, I imagine that there are people who are much older than me who have not realized this yet. Mm-hmm. But when you when you start to understand that there are that there are ways to be happy that don't rely on all of these external stimuli that have been, you know, useful before, but have become like they have a diminishing returns. So yeah. you can only go on so many dates, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, before you get frustrated or broke. Uh, <laughs> um, So I guess restructuring it was the shit was it was looking like finding out what shape I need to make first, and that the 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 meditations helped a lot with that to try to identify Mm -hmm. what sort of what sort of feelings I have and what sort of like I I remember sitting I was when I first realized that I had emotional problems um, I was sitting and I was talking I, I went in for just like a screening like a general like. Checkup, and they're like, "Hey, how are you doing?" This is a a, to the VA. It was a health screening. Yeah, like, oh, I'm doing fine. And then we started we started talking about something, and I just started bawling, (laughs) like just crying my eyes out. And it's just and and uh, they go, "Okay, well, I think we're going to refer you to a mental health counselor." And I was like, "Yeah, that's probably a good idea." (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I was I feel really lucky that these things happened to me in just the right way that allowed me to break free from all of the, the taxation that I had on me before, this, this mental tax that was created through a year of, you know, through, I'm sorry, through a decade of military service. Yeah. And when I, when I broke free of that, it actually became a lot easier. Like the process became much easier in, in trying to figure out what makes me happy and what are sources of lasting happiness um and then now it's just been trying to stick to my guns and get it done and that's that's been the hard part
0: yeah i think after the initial part at least for me and and it sounds like for you too is the initial part is hard and scary and and confusing and then you get real thirsty for for knowledge and understanding on it and then and then things sort of start to work out and then it's and then it's maintenance and continuing to try new things and put into practice these practices
1: Um, It it was a big, it was a big uh, reason why I um, have, so I'm about to finish my my bachelor's at the tender age of 34. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) um, So I was doing, I'm doing business administration, but I'm like this, it can't just be business. Right. So I actually, on purpose, I I got a minor in philosophy because I wanted to have the tool set of some kind in order to describe how I'm feeling and how society is impacting me. And um, so even just, Even just taking a couple of courses, even if you're not a huge philosophy buff, but even just taking a couple of courses on women's studies or some sort of um, theory of mind or something like that in philosophy, that can help give you the tools needed to try to craft your own path.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's very sage advice is is just... uh Seek education from people who know better than you or know more than you. And there always will be um, people who know more. Um, So before we move on to our super fun game, um, I was wondering if you could please let my audience know where they can find more of you and tell us a little bit more about good doodliness. I love the name so much.
1: (laughs) It's hard not to say it and smile at the same time. <laughs> uh, um, so it's pretty fresh. Um, I currently have a, a Facebook group open where I'd like people to to show up and and um, just start communicating. Um, I'm going to have prompts on there that people can talk about. And then if people want to take it onto a podcast, they can do that. Um, so the main point is there are a lot of intersections in our lives that, that impact how we treat other people. Mm-hmm. And... The the question that I'm trying to ask is is what's the best way forward? Like, how do you be a good dude or, <laughs> or dudette? I'm from the West Coast, like California, so dude is a dude is a multi gender word here too. Here too. Um, so, I mean, any any topic. If you want to talk about like the you know the the trifecta of, like sex, drugs, religion, or something like that, you know you, that's fine. Politics, racial issues, um, men and women's issues. Uh, If you think that video game culture is messed up or, you know, any, I mean, there's, there's, you know, online culture, there's a good way to do it. And there's a bad way to do it. And I think that that's true for a lot of topics. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking forward to conversations that are um, just wait, like, just a, like an on-air navigation of what the best way forward is. Yeah. Unraveling,
0: unraveling them.
1: Yeah. If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, I still want to hear from you. So.
0: That's fantastic. So it's good doodliness on Facebook. And maybe it's quite possible that by the time this comes out, there'll be more. So definitely have a follow of good doodliness and check it out. Because maybe he's already started by then. Who knows? I don't know when this comes out because I'm bad at keeping organized.
1: Thank you.
0: And and I highly recommend it because, I mean, as you guys have heard, he's not only educated and well-spoken, but very funny. So um, we are going to play a fun game. I keep saying it's fun because I feel like I'm trying to convince you. Um, and I'm pretty convinced. I mean, we're we're going to have you guess what 25, well, maybe not all 25, but some of the 25 um, Gen Z phrases that all parents should know.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> so
0: we're going to start with an easy one because I'm 100% sure you know what this, whoa, whoa. Ninety-eight percent sure, you, you know what this is? Um, cancel culture.
1: Cancel culture, yeah. That's I didn't think that was Gen Z specific, but that's. Um, I mean, that's uh, like a. We've actually had that a long time. I, I can get really philosophical about this. I probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> cancel culture is when uh, you know when a bunch of people decide to not participate in someone's shit ideas.
0: Fair. Um, Okay, so this one's more slangy for Gen Z, because I I see it on the list, and I think this is really for, like, boomers who don't know what their kids are talking about, but I just picked the first one. This is on familyeducation.com. I didn't even look at the URL, so. (laughs) (laughs) What does glow up mean?
1: Oh, no, I have no idea. Hold on, let's guess. Uh, Glow up is when you're looking really good and you go out dancing.
0: That is partially right. So a glow up is sort of like uh, an after, you know, so you do before, you know, maybe you're frumpy or whatever, or Um, maybe you didn't have the job you liked or whatever. And then you go on to be successful or better looking or whatever fucking thing that is a glow up. Oh, so, like okay. she had a massive glow up. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Gen Z,
1: but no, it's like my ex from high school. She looks great nowadays. Good for her.
0: Yeah, real glow mm, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's what yeah. it is. Um, what does it mean to Stan or be a Stan?
1: Stan. It's oh, both a verb man. and a noun. <laughs> I mean, like I'm thinking, like you can be a Brad, which is like kind of a chauvinistic, like male chauvinistic. Um, you could be a Stan. Maybe it's like a boring guy.
0: Um, no, it's actually like, uh, based on Eminem's song, Stan. What? <laughs> um, so it's a hyper fan. So if I were like. I stan Jay-Z and Beyonce. That means I'm a big fan. So that's how it's used as a verb is to stan.
1: Okay. To be a fan. And it's weird because fan is already short for fanatic, which I don't think is like (laughs) the best label to put on yourself. So,
0: yeah, um, I think that might be why maybe they're like, we don't like the term fanatic. So we're going to change it to the psycho. I I don't know. I don't really understand. Fanatic, (laughs) but it's based. I know it's based on the Eminem slang because I am super hip. Um, (laughs) Uh, what does it mean to spill the tea?
1: Oh, that's gotta be a sex thing. Is it a sex? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's when you get off before getting in. How about that? <laughs> no, it's no, it's, no, you should. It's, self-control is important.
0: That's so funny. <laughs> Don't um, spill the tea, guys. <laughs> it, it means to share gossip. Whatever. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we're going to do two more. Um... Maybe less, because I need to actually know what they are to know how to pronounce them. <laughs> um, what is a snack?
1: Oh, that's a good-looking person.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, looking like a snack. Um, like a bag of
1: Doritos.
0: <laughs> and the last one we will do... Gosh. Oh, Steeze has been around for a long time.
1: I, I, don't, uh, I don't know that one.
0: Oh, I learned it in Montreal. Oh, okay. It means style, or at least it used to. I wonder if that's what it means now.
1: Shit. Ooh.
0: It does, Does yes. Effortless style. Yeah, but that's been around since at at least 2007. So Gen Z, were not making up slang in
1: 2007. Sorry, family education. (laughs) I'm sorry. Can I throw one at you?
0: Yes, do it.
1: I heard of this. I was in class and I said something apparently good. And someone said, gang, gang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That like, means what? like awesome. Yeah, um, I had to message them privately. And I was like, look, I'm an old person and I, is this good? Are you upset with me? And they're like, no, this is a good thing. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> well, gang gang back at you, my friend. Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> I had this friend for a while that would always use Gen Z slang, even though he was definitely a millennial. And, uh, and so I learned like a whole bunch of them through that, like bet. Do you know what bet means?
1: Uh, yes, but I have a feeling I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to Make a bet. It's not bet.
0: No, it's more like a confirmation. So if I'm like, yeah, gang, gang, and someone's like, bet. That's like an agreement. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm clearly very good at this. Um, yeah, so I, I think that that's enough because I've had enough. Um, and I think you probably have too.
1: <laughs> no, and it, and it goes to one of my favorite sayings is that words don't have meaning. They have usages, and that's important.
0: Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I always think that like, like I'm always, I'm, like I said, I'm obsessed with linguistics. Do you ever re- uh, listen to Lexicon Valley?
1: No, great that podcast. Super good. <laughs>
0: uh, but uh, the, um, the thing that I'm always thinking about is like how fluid language is, you know, mm-hmm. like people try to like trap it in a box and it's like, well, you know, like it's, it's really, um, what's the word for that? Popular demand, not popular, uh, Popular opinion is what decides Mm -hmm. what something means. So people can like stand on their, like their, their haunches. I don't know what the word, the phrase is, but people can like haunches. Yeah, I don't think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Stand their ground um, as much as they want about like this word means this. But if everybody else thinks that it means something else, like, sorry, not sorry, but you're just going to like hurt yourself trying to use it the way that it's not used.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, paraphrasing some uh, American pragmatist philosophers, like basically what we're doing is we're just grunting in each other's general direction and it's just like a happy accident that those grunts equal something that we call true. <laughs> that's a that's a
0: great, uh, that's a great point. Because yeah. we really don't, like, oh, okay, like I said, I could but, get but on for another this for a long time. <laughs> Same. Um, I really need to like guest on a la- language podcast and just geek out, but... Um, yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, do you have anything you want to add before I say goodbye to my audience?
1: No, it's been great. And I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about something that is awesome.
0: Thank you. I uh, I had a lot of fun. And to my audience, I love you. Bye.